The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Um, again, the principle of first, or first principles, the concept of first principles. What happens in the beginning can affect everything that follows after. That is not just in the area of our finances when we tithe. And by the way, that is the concept behind us tithing. And when tithing our income or our increase, we take the tenth, the first tenth, and we honor God with it so that the remaining 90% can go well. Hallelujah. Have you ever had people that would tell you, ah, I made one million naira, I made so much, but I can't explain what happened to it. I can explain. You probably are not a tither. Or, if you tithe, you don't understand what you're doing. You're just doing it religiously. There's no faith, there's no illumination, there's no revelation, there's no understanding in what you're doing. You're just doing, ah, they teach that in our church. And these things don't work because they teach it in your church. <laughs> Glory be to God. They work because you understand it. Separating the first unto God is a very powerful principle. Look at that text in Romans again. Hallelujah. Romans eleven sixteen. If the first fruit is holy, the lump or the rest will be holy. And it likens the first to a root. We all understand that if the root of a tree is strong or is holy or is well, the, every other part of the tree, the branches will be fine. Hallelujah. Say, Lord, open my eyes to spiritual realities. Um, the psalmist in Psalm 11 verse 3 used the illustration of a building. If the foundation, that's where we don't start building on the roof. We don't start building on the first floor or the second floor. The beginning of any building is its foundation. And if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you miss the foundation, the entire building is corrupt. And these same principles can be applied into a year. It can be applied into your life. I, I, I was sharing with them, I was with them in the Kurodu Church on Sunday... And you, you see this thing in every walk of life. We know people that growing up as a child, maybe they, were not, um, they didn't get the right diet or nutrition. And now that they are older, they have health issues. Just nutrition. We know people growing up as a child, maybe they didn't get quality education. And now that they are older, they can't get maybe um, professional jobs because they don't have the skill or the training. It cuts across every aspect of life. The beginning is of utmost importance. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now, naturally speaking, we may have been robbed of certain things in the beginning. So maybe something happened, you couldn't go to school when you were a child, or something happened, you didn't get good food and nutrition, but... Thank God for Christ. Can I hear a loud amen? Because now that you are in Christ, the deficiencies in the natural can be overcome by the supernatural. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. 
So you can begin to apply these supernatural spiritual principles to your life now. I mean, you can't go back to when you were five-year-old or two-year-old or one-year-old again. Forget that story. <laughs> but bless God, you have 2019. Hallelujah. And you can apply spiritual principles now from where you are. I always say that, look, everybody can start from where they are. In Christ. A new creation. It's a new beginning. And you are forever new. You can start from where you are and start doing these things we are teaching. And whatever deficiencies may be in your life now that started from the beginning of your life, it can be overcome. Can I hear a loud amen? So these things apply to one and all. Hallelujah. Let's look at another person that had a beginning. And I like this one. In fact, this buttresses the point I'm just making here that you, you may have had a bad beginning. Daniel chapter 1. The story starts with Daniel being taken into captivity. The nation had been destroyed. Most likely his parents that were part of the noble family must have been killed. So here is a young boy that is now orphaned. Here is a young boy that is now a prisoner of war. But what did he do in this is new beginning? That was an adverse beginning. This is, this is I mean, put yourself in the context. Like a country invading another country, then they kill all the ruling people, and they now take the children, their children into captivity. You will be serving as my advisors. You people have noble um, royal blood. But you see, what he did in that beginning affected the rest of his life. Hallelujah. And that's what we are teaching here. And I'm hoping people are learning and most importantly applying them. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road. Unfortunately, it's not everybody that we teach things in church that takes you to what we are teaching. I gave the illustration last week of the guy that was dying of thirst. And they brought water. And instead of drinking the water, he started dramatizing. If I drink this water, I will not die. I drink this water. He died. While he was still talking about if he drinks the water, I will not drink. No, it's not about you not telling us if you drink water. Drink the water, sir. Drink the water. Tap your neighbor and say, practice these first principles. It's not the hearer of the word that enjoys the benefit. It's the doer. Glory be to God. The whole essence of teaching and teaching repeatedly and going line after line is so that when you leave church, and when you are living your everyday life, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Not just the just shall use faith in church. Mm-mm. You are not in church that long to depend on just what happens in church. I mean, this is a two-hour service. Less than two hours, Papa. And there are 24 hours in a day. <laughs> and there are seven days in a week. And for the most part, you only meet twice. It's not enough. So teaching is of utmost importance. Hallelujah. So that people can hear and understand and do them. Glory be to God. Daniel 1.8. Let's see something powerful that the Bible tells us Daniel did that affected the rest of his reign or his time um, in Babylon. But Daniel proposed in his heart. Proposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. You know the background story. They are, they are now... Um, captives here, and the Bible said the king gave them his own diet, what the king was in, so that, because he wanted them to reign in his court. You guys should be eating. But what the king gave them was contrary to the law God gave them, the dietary laws of the Jews. Every other Jew ate, oh, 
Because Daniel wasn't the only one. But Daniel and his friends. All of them, they were, they were not the only ones. But they just said, and this is the key here, he purposed in his heart. He will not eat the king's delicacies. Nor with the wine which the king drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might, he might not defile himself. Hallelujah. So what, was, what, what did Daniel do here? What's the key we can take from here? He made a quality decision. In the world, we call it New Year Resolution. Glory be to God. He made it. This was the beginning for Daniel. His new beginning, his new reality. As negative as it was, he, he made a quality decision. And this is something we see Daniel, he did it all through his reign. One day they came up with a law. Everybody must bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar. But Daniel and his friends did not bow. They made a quality decision. Even at the expense of their life, the, the guard was telling them that if the king should find out you're not eating, he's going to kill you, he's going to kill me. So they said, okay, give us 10 days. Just give us vegetables. That one doesn't compromise the law of God for our life. Then check us after 10 days. Made a quality decision. They made a decree. Hey, nobody should pray to any other God except um, the king. The Bible said once the law was signed, Daniel went to his room, knelt down, was in you knelt down, opened the quality decision. And we know Daniel's story, how he just stood out. Ten times better than all his peers and any other magician in the land. Things nobody else could do, he did it. God gave him that grace, God gave him that wisdom. So this is the key here. Make quality decisions in the beginning. And we are saying by the help of the Holy Spirit. We are not saying Fejeronit. That's not God helped Daniel. If you read the story here, God brought him into favor with the king. When he came before the king, Daniel knew it was. He said, I, when they said, what's going to happen? Who's going to be? I said, God will give me the answer. He was depending on God. He wasn't just depending on the arm of his flesh. So one thing we can do in the beginning, make quality decisions by the help of the Holy Ghost. This is the year I'm going to start tithing. I've not been tithing up until now. This year I will start tithing. This is the year I'm going to be consistent in my prayer life. This is the year I'm going to study the word. This year. I will, I, will, I will learn to meditate this year. I will learn to confess this year. This is the year I will learn to speak in tongues. Make quality decisions. This is the year where I'm going to be generous in my giving. This is the year, hey, quality decisions. That, 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 that's what Daniel did here. By the help of God, quality decisions. Something must change. This, this, I'm expecting new things. Am I the only one or is there somebody else with me? You make quality decisions. He just came there. I, no, I'm not. I, he proposed in his heart. And the truth of the matter is this. If you will do this by the help of the Holy Ghost, you know what God wants. This is the year I'm going to serve God. These are all some of the things we can make quality decisions. Hallelujah. God will help you. Amen. Like God helped Daniel. Glory, glory, glory be to God. Hallelujah. It's going to be a great year for you. Come on, leave those hands. And pray that prayer we prayed earlier again. Say, Heavenly Father, all that I need to start strong, the first principles that I ought to be practicing now, thank you, Lord. I have them running in my life by your grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So it's, it's day 23. I, I did something. I don't know whether you saw the message I sent to the church yesterday. I did a tithe of the year. There are 365 days in a year. 
just using these first principles, it just came to my heart. A tithe of that is 36 and a half. So by February, January has 31 days. 31 plus 5 is 36. So by 12 noon on the 5th of February, <laughs> the first tenth of the year will have come and gone. And please, I don't know whether you understand this. We are just going to repeat that cycle one month and five or six days, ten, nine more times after that. And another year has come. Just, it's just ten. You know, sometimes we only count 12 months. But let me, let's break it down in tens. And th this is the principle that we are teaching here. Look, what you do in these first 36 and a half days or how you manage these first 36 and a half days can have a tremendous impact on the remaining I can guarantee you the way you have lived for the first 36 and a half days, psychologists tell us that if you will take certain habits, if you want to break an old habit or start a new habit, if you take something, I want to start praying, I want to lose weight, I want to confess, and you repeat it for like 21 days, it will become a part of you. You can just, that first 21 days is what matters, thereabouts. Anything you want to, you can break any habit, you can start any habit. You can stop bad habits, you can start new habits. Take something, I, I, I want to pray, consent prayer. Take for three weeks, 21 days. I'm going to pray 10 minutes. I've shared this with you, that's how I started praying in tongues. I didn't even have, I didn't wait, you didn't take me up to 21 days. I'm going to take five minutes every morning, I will pray. Five minutes every evening, I will pray in tongues. And I did that. By the end of the week, I was able to pray 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And to do six-hour prayer now is a blink of an eye. Hallelujah. We didn't bring it from heaven, no. So they say, if you take something for two and you repeat it particularly daily like that, it will become a part of you. And then you can leave it out. How you will have lived these first 36 and a half days, it will be a pattern. You're just going to be repeating the same thing. Except you deliberately change something. Of course, you can always change in June, no. You can also change in July. Or you can be like most people. It's when November comes and I want to try and change everything. I'm always asking, what have you been doing since January? <laughs> but the best way is to start strong. Hallelujah. Because what you do with the first part, it's just a matter of now replicating it for the rest. And it gets easier. It gets easier as the journey goes by. Amen. Glory be to God. So please take all these things we are sharing and by the grace of God, by the help of God, start applying them in your own everyday life. Start with a step. You don't have to be as perfect as Daniel. You can borrow that wisdom of Daniel there. I'm going to decide. Purpose in my heart by the help of the Holy Ghost. We bring it to God in prayer. God help me. This is my decision this year. And one decision can affect the rest of your life. Hallelujah. I want to go in a bit of a different direction today. We are still talking about starting strong, first principles. I, I want to share, um, just go deeper in something I mentioned at the crossover service. Um, and I'm talking tonight about um, a paradigm shift in the application of your faith. A paradigm shift. Please don't, I'm going to break down what I mean by paradigm shift, so in case it's disturbing you a bit. A paradigm shift. I, I told us in the crossover service, the grace of God is constant. There is nothing God gives one person that he doesn't make equally available to every other person. All of us have the same Holy Ghost. 
It's not like, ah, this person's Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost from U.S. And my own Holy Ghost is from Alaba. Mm -mm. <laughs> That's not how it works. We all have the same word of God. We all have the same spirit of God. We all have the same measure of faith given to us. It's the faith of God. Jesus told them, have the faith of God. So grace, and by grace I mean the things God supplies. It's a constant. However, it's by our own faith. Bible says the just shall live by his faith. It's by our faith that we can lay hold, apprehend, take advantage of the free, constant grace. That, that was what we talked about in, in the individual. We started from there. And I said, look, if you are going to see new things, 2019 is a year of new things, you need to have a paradigm shift. What do I mean by paradigm shift? A dramatic change. And specifically, now we are talking about in the way you live by faith. If your faith can be more robust, stronger, bigger, um, better applied. And for that to happen, there must be a shift, a change in the way you are applying that faith. The way you've been using faith up to 2018. If you want better results in 2019, is anybody interested in that kind of testimony? Change your, the grace of God is not going to change. It's constant, and it will be forever constant until Jesus comes. What needs to happen to you and I is we need to keep, like Jude 20 says, building up ourselves upon our most holy faith, growing in our faith, developing our faith. And I'm telling you, for that to happen, there must be a shift, a dramatic shift. That's what we mean by paradigm shift. The word paradigm simply means um, a framework, a mold a standard, a basis. All of us here have the things we do that constitute our life of faith. If I was to ask you if you are in faith, and that's even a very important point, honestly, the first question we dealt about, we talked about this a lot at the beginning of last year, examine yourself whether you are in the faith. You really need to ask yourself, am I living by faith? I'm not going there tonight. So I'm assuming everybody understands that we are to live by faith to access grace. Hallelujah. Now, that thing that you call my life of faith, there is a framework for it. There are things you do. If you, when you say I'm living by faith, for some people it's I pray. When, when I want to use my faith for money, I spend time in prayer. When I want to use my faith, I get scriptures and I meditate on those scriptures. A young man came to meet me some weeks ago and uh, he's believing God for a job. I said, okay, go and meet your resident pastor. Tell him to give you scriptures about um, confession on, on, on believing God for a job. I asked him, do you have any scripture? He didn't say, so I said, I'm a resident pastor. So a week or two after I asked him, have you met a resident pastor? He said, yes. Has he given you the scripture? He said, yes. Have you said using it? He said, yes. So there's a framework so that, that may be part of your own paradigm. I get scriptures. Someone said, hey, I, 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 I fast when I, when I want to really believe God. I, I'm, I'm trusting God to get that promotion at work. So I'm, I'm going, and I've been doing this since I'm in school. When I want to believe God for the miraculous, I go on a two-day, three-day fast personally. That's your framework. That's your mold on application of your faith. What are the things you do? Praise the Lord. Are we together so far? 
Are you sure you are here? All right. I, 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 I've shared this with us every now and then. I remember the last time I, 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 I talked along this line, we were still using the gallery for the midweek service. When it comes to things like this, our faith, um, faith generally, and by faith is how we walk with God. What? There are three major questions we need to answer. What? What, what is it you are believing? Like I asked that young man, you, you want a job, what is it exactly you are believing? Can you tell me the scripture you are standing on? I remember it was Crefodola that taught us that several years ago. See, that was a paradigm shift for many of us. We just thought, ah, I'm just believing God. This was several years ago when, when we were just going in faith. Then he came and God gave me that revelation. Well, whether it was him or Copeland, I'm not sure, but I know I learned it from Crefodola. No word, no faith. And that now became a paradigm shift for me personally. If I want to use my faith, exercise my faith, live by my faith for any particular matter, one of the things I have now put in my framework, in my mold, in my pattern, in my basis for believing is I go and find what God has promised me about that subject matter. And I start confessing it. I start meditating on it. That, that's, my para, that, that's a part of my paradigm now. Until I learned that mystery from Crefodola several years ago, it wasn't part of my paradigm. See, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a paradigm shift. I moved from just saying, I'm believing God, I'm believing, and I'm praying. And I now realize that for me to really say I'm believing God, I've now shifted the application of my faith into something I wasn't doing before. That will now make my faith more productive. Your faith will be productive and effective this year in Jesus' name. So what is important? Praise the Lord. But not only is the what important, I told you the how is also important. Three things. What is important? Okay, I'm believing. So this is scripture I'm believing. How I believe that scripture is also important. So I said I wanted to learn how to speak in tongues. I wanted to start living a prayerful life of speaking in tongues. And I, I would take five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. That's how I did what I did. Somebody will say, okay, I will only pray in tongues um, every Sunday morning when I get to church for five minutes. That's his own how. Now, can you understand that the guy that makes a decision that seven days in a week, every morning, every afternoon, every evening... We are both learning to pray in tongues. So we both came for the altar call that first Sunday. We both went for the discipleship class. They laid hands on both of us. We both got filled with the Holy Ghost. We everyone was speaking in tongues. But one person said, and we both believe in, in the Holy Ghost. And we both want to speak in tongues. But one person said, I'm going to do this five minutes every day, morning, afternoon, and night for the next two, three weeks. And the other guy said, or did not even say, but unconsciously, his own decision is that, when we come to church next Sunday, that's the only time I will pray in tongues. Who do you think will get manifestation first? Without consulting the Holy Ghost, just which one? The guy that is doing it three times a day for five minutes or the guy that is just doing it once in a week when he comes to church? Talk to me. So the what is not only the thing that's about the how is important. In fact, that's the main thing I want to deal with here. When we are talking about paradigm shift, we are talking about how. Many people believe the same thing. We believe in the same Jesus Christ. We believe in the blood of Jesus. We believe the Bible. We, the what for many Christians is the same, particularly when you're enlightened. It's the same Bible all of us are reading. But the how 
Many times they fast. The third thing is the why, the motive. So this guy is saying, no, I want to pray. I want to grow my spiritual life and just so that I can mature as a Christian. The other day I had pastors say, one of God's will for us is my development, um, discipleship. That's the purpose of God for my life. If I stay with that one alone, I will be in the will of God. So that guy is saying, hey, I want to pray in tongues. See, So the next time I pray like this, they will hear my tongues from that corner. In fact, pastor will invite me to the pulpit and say, brother, come and lead the prayer meeting. Now, both of us want to pray in tongues, but our motives are different. That's the why. Now, who do you think will grow or mature faster? The guy that wants to do it because it's the will of God, or the guy that wants to do it because he wants to show up? So there today, we know that me too are maturing. They don't, they've not seen spiritual maturity in that, class, in that church yet. Let them wait for me. Talk to me. So, in, in, in spiritual things, in life generally, what we do matters. How we do what we do matters. And why we do our motives matter. God checks motives. So, Daniel, I mean Joseph, the plan of God is to get to the palace. So, but we're going to check what is in your heart. So, one day, we're going to allow Potiphar's wife to tempt you to sleep with her. Because we want to know whether which kind of prime minister you will be. The one that sleeps with all the women in the country. Or the one that will stay with his wife. They will check your motive. They will check what's in your heart. And the Joseph that runs away, that says, how can I do this wicked thing in the, in the eye of God, will get to the palace. The one that says, hey, God has done me well. He will potify his wife, want to sleep with me. I, I'm a fine boy. You, you, you won't hear him. You won't, you won't hear his name again. <laughs> because God is a God in whom, the Bible says, in whom actions are weighed. God checks our motives. So when I'm talking paradigm shift, please hear me clearly, we are, I want to deal with the how. How? Many times we believe the word of God that is being preached, but how we believe that word is our problem, Christians. So when God tells us that for new things to happen and for your faith to be robust, you need a paradigm shift. Somebody say paradigm shift. Paradigm shift, a dramatic change. And we are talking about a dramatic change of how you believe, how you live by faith. Oh, I'm getting amazing results already. I am the director of operations in the church. I have grown in the last so many years. I mean, my own 10-year challenge, 10 years ago, I wasn't director of operations. But now, and it's not that the church collapsed, so after they may be director of operations. Praise God for your life. If you want new things... The way you have done faith, the how you've done your faith in the last, last 10 years must change. Glory be to God. Are you getting what we are saying? Are you sure? Let's pay attention. No, you need to know sometimes why we teach what we teach. Let's, let's look at this scripture. And it's a very familiar text. Sometimes when I'm teaching things like this, I like to go to familiar texts. Matthew 17. Glory be to God. Somebody say a paradigm shift in my application of faith. Help me with this, Holy Spirit. Pray that prayer again. A paradigm shift. A dramatic change in how I live by faith. Help me with this, Holy Spirit. Matthew 17, 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart. Background of the story, Jesus was up in the mountain. A man that had a son that had been demon-possessed, came, brought them to disciples, they could not cast out the devil. So when Jesus came, Jesus drove out the spirit. So they now came to meet him, after everybody had gone. Why could we not cast him out? 
Verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. This is a faith principle. For verily I say unto you, watch, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. So when he even told them unbelief, he's not saying they didn't have faith. It's as a, the, the way they were using their faith was the problem. As a grain of mustard seed, you will say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it will remove. Glory be to God. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Somebody shout amen to that. Verse 21, how be it, this kind goeth not out but by what? Prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. Two powerful things here that we can take from what you was teaching them. It wasn't that they were not believing they could cast out demons. Number one, they had cast out devils before. Number two, they tried to cast out this devil. It's not like you can't believe God for finances before. You have believed God for money before, but this time it didn't work. It's not like you can't believe God for your healing before. You've, be, you've received healing from God before, but this time it didn't work. So he was telling them, he gave them two reasons. Number one, have faith as a grain of mustard seed. That's describing how you apply faith. Then number two, this kind goes now by prayer and fasting. So obviously the disciples were not praying and fasting as they ought, even though they had faith. And obviously, they didn't understand the processing of faith as a grain of mustard seed. They had faith. But how they used their faith determined whether they got the result or not. And of course, you know Jesus got the result. He didn't, he didn't have to go and give me two weeks to go and fast and pray, like I always say. And his faith was ready. Hallelujah. So, what happened? Because when we look into the book of Acts, this is Matthew, the disciples were casting out devils. So I want to submit to you, they had shifted from a life of faith that does not process faith as a mustard seed and a lifestyle that doesn't fast and pray. And they were now fasting and praying and they could cast out devils. Now, I want to say something here. This is not that fasting and prayer is the almighty formula for every problem. This is fasting and prayer to solve this, this kind. Hallelujah. So there are some times you will come to Jesus in prayer, come to the Holy Ghost in prayer, he will tell you, how be it? This kind doesn't go, except by diligent studying and meditation. That's how you have not been using your faith. You, you are not a studious Christian. You are, you are not a believer. You have faith, oh, but you don't meditate enough on the word. You just listen to the pastor on Sunday. You don't, you've not yet built a lifestyle where, ah, they gave us this scripture, they said this thing, and you have gone to med this kind. There's some kinds that will not go out if you, if you are not med a meditating believer. This kind doesn't go out except by tithing and generous giving. Oh, you give, all right, but you know, sometimes you tithe, sometimes you don't tithe. This kind can be many things. Are you getting that there? Hallelujah. So this is what we mean by paradigm shift. You, you shift how you apply faith. You change dramatically. So, I believe from that incident, the disciples went and they now learned to do faith as a grain of mustard seed. I'm not teaching that today. But simply put, that means you develop faith. You sow faith as a seed. What do you do with a seed? You sow it. And you nurture it to the point where it grows. And the Bible says it's about the mustard seed. It's the smallest when it starts. So, it's okay to start with small faith. But don't stay with small faith. He said when that mustard seed grows, it becomes the biggest tree. 
your faith is supposed to grow big. This is part of what we are talking about. In 2019, because it's by faith you receive what grace has given, grow faith. Said so it becomes the biggest tree, and all the birds of the air come and lay their nets on it. Grow as a mustard seed. A mustard seed that is planted does not remain a mustard seed. Hallelujah. A faith that is planted will grow. When faith is not growing, it means you are not planting it as you ought. So they shifted. And by the book of Acts, they were doing this thing, lie I believe you all understand lie Except you are watching from the other side of the Atlantic. Hallelujah. Let me give us three basic illustrations here. Because you, you need to catch this. You need to catch this. Glory be to God. If my faith can develop as it ought, I can see greater manifestations of grace in my life in 2019, bringing about new things that I want to see. Hallelujah. Paradigm shift. What do we mean by that? Watch this. I love God. God loves me. These are two statements about love, but they are looking at the subject of love from two different perspectives. By the way, the Bible teaches three dimensions of love. There is God loving me, vertical downwards. There is me loving God, vertical upwards. The Bible teaches both of them, that we should walk in both of them. And there is me loving others, horizontal. Three-dimensional love, I, I teach that a lot in church. But we have this concept, and this is a big, a big part of what Dr. K has been trying to teach us in church for years now. Not less than three, four years. Does your faith work with a paradigm or a framework or a mold or a model that I love God? I serve God. I'm an usher in that church. I'm a giver in that church. What I do towards God? Or is the framework of the way you apply your faith, God loves me. God favors me. God, God shows me mercy. So is it about what I do to God, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible teaches it. One of the scriptures we are praying this year, 1 Corinthians 2.9. I hope you are praying that prayer in this year of new things. Talk to me, somebody. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the hearts of men, the things that God, God has reserved for those that love him. There's nothing wrong with loving God. It's scriptural. But which paradigm makes your faith more effective. An approach of what I do towards God or what God does towards me. I mean, the obvious answer is what God does towards me. It's a stronger paradigm. Your faith is more inspired, is better positioned to receive when it's more about what God does for you than what you do for God. The year the month, the day, you make that shift. Particularly if you are the believer of what I do for God. I'm telling you, your, your faith will skyrocket. If you do it with revelation. Let me show you something. First John 4, 19. Because this one verse that puts both of them against each other. Whether we love God or whether God loves us. Both of them are true. Both of them are Taught and recommended by scriptures. But we are saying which one is the framework of how you live by faith. When you get up in the morning, 
Are you driven by what you do for God or what God does for you? Is your prayer, your thanksgiving focused heavily on what God does for you? Is that what you are drawing faith from? Verse 19, 1 John 4, we love him because he first loved us. What triggers even our love for him is his love for us. His love for us is the basis. This is what we are meaning by paradigm. Paradigm is basis, mold, foundation, framework. His love for us. I love what verses 17 and 18 says. Same first John 4. Love has been perfected. Listen, when we started being taught about love work, when people like Kenneth Hagin, and Kenneth Hagin was one of the main people that taught us love work, the focus was our love for God and our love for others. That was the paradigm. That was the basis. That was the mode. You read Kenneth Hagin's book, Love the Way to Victory. The emphasis is loving your neighbors. Loving your friends, loving people that hurt you. And there is nothing wrong with it. Hallelujah. It is scriptural and you should live by it. But a few years ago, particularly, people like Joseph Prince rose up in the body of Christ and started emphasizing more the love that God has for us. And I'm telling you, church, some of us have made that shift. More about what God has for us. And it has grown our faith in God. Developed our confidence in God. More than when it was more about whether I forgave that brother that hurt me yesterday. Whether I forgave my wife that didn't do what I liked yesterday. Paradigm shift. So, verse 17 of 1 John 4, verse 19 again, we love because he first loved us. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this. Watch this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, your boldness will be stronger when the paradigm of your faith is God loves me than I love God. You will be more confident. If you've ever made that shift, you can testify to that. Hallelujah. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Hallelujah. I can break that down as well, but let me go because of time. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Which one is it that really casts out fear? My revelation and sign of God's love for me, or my revelation and sign that I love? You see, the one you do cannot cast out fear because you will never perfect love. You will remember what you said to that brother that you shouldn't have said. What you said to that person that you shouldn't have said. But the love God has for you, always perfect. And when your paradigm is on that, I mean, no fear. Because it's not a matter of what I did or what I did not do. Paradigm shift. A lot of us, our faith is not bringing manifestations of the things we have. Because there are certain shifts in the way we are believing God that we need to make we have not made. I hope somebody is catching what I'm saying. Something like this. This is a crux of what Dr. K has been teaching us for years now. It's more about him, not about you. Don't make it about you. Lamentations 3.22 again. Watch it. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. It's all about what God is supplying for me. It's all about what God is making available for me. And when I make that the framework of how I believe, when that becomes my new paradigm, if it is not, 
Or even if it is, I now grow in it. I'm telling you, my faith will produce amazing results. I will start seeing new manifestations in my faith. That's one example. Glory be to God. Can we go deeper? Let me give you another example here. Praise the Lord. Think about this. And this actually came to my heart during the Christmas service when they were singing that song. Mary, did you know that little boy will one day be... I was just thinking about that song and this came to my heart. So, Mary carrying Jesus or Jesus carrying Mary. Which is it? (laughs) Talk to me, somebody. We are talking about paradigm shifts. Mary carrying Jesus or Jesus carrying Mary, which is it? It's not a trick question. Just give me the answer. Both. Okay. Which paradigm do you think gives greatest faith? Mary carrying Jesus, because both of them are true. That's the right answer, actually. It's both. Mary carried Jesus. Which one do you think inspires more faith, greater faith? Mary carrying Jesus or Mary murdering Jesus, Mary protecting Jesus, or Jesus carrying Mary. Paradigm shift. So I will tell you, I'm going to show you two Marys in the Bible. The one that felt she was the mother hen protecting Jesus. And you will see the kind of results he was getting. And the other Mary that came to a point, if Mary and her brothers, that Jesus was now their Lord and Savior, and he was the one protecting them. You will see the kind of results. Let's look at the first Mary. The Mary that was carrying Jesus. Mark chapter 3. Mark, you know, the, the, and let, let me tell you this. Many, all of us are Marys somewhat. Before we remark, we are, we are all Marys. L- look at the story of Mary. Luke one twenty-eight. An angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women. Does anyone here believe you are highly favored? Do you believe you are blessed among human beings? Your name is Mary. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, fear not. We just read there's no fear in love. Mary, for you have found favor with Lord. Do you, does anyone believe you have found favor with, with the Lord? Let me look at your neighbor and say, your name is Mary. Your name is Mary. Verse 31, and behold, thou shalt conceive in your womb. How? God is going to put something inside you. And you will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Now, I know you have not carried a physical baby I know you've not been impregnated by God in your physical womb and given that to Jesus. But can you understand that God has done an inner work inside of you? Can you understand that something new has been born out of your life? Something heavenly, something divine. Can you understand that God has done something? God has put his seed inside of you, like he put inside Mary. And you have given birth to this new creation. Some of us have done businesses by God. Some of us do ministry by God. Some of us now have marriages by God. Some of us are now raising children and families by God. Can you understand that God has put something inside of you and you have brought forth something? Your name is Mary, sir. Oma. Glory be to God. Verse 35. You are a Mary. Look at this one. The angel answered her. She was saying, how is it going to happen? How am I going to bring forth a divine thing? How am I going to be a new creation? How am I going to do all these things by God? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Has anybody here been empowered by the Holy Ghost before? And that holy thing shall be called the child of the Most High. Has the Holy Ghost come upon you and produced something through you before? You are a Mary. She's a type and a shadow of the new creation. 
And let me tell you, there are two sets of Marys. There are those that we think because God is doing something in us and through us, we are the one protecting God. I'm the pastor pastoring the church. You are not. I'm the husband of the family. I'm there for me. You are not. Ah, because you are that businessman that God is doing something dynamic in your business. Hey, I'm the wise one over there. You are not. It is God doing something through you. So you can either do faith with the paradigm of I'm protecting what God is doing. I am building the church. You said, no, I will build my church, not you, Pastor T. You can do that or you can be a Mary that you know God is the one at work in me. Both to will and to do. And I will tell you, this person has greater faith than that person. And this person's result will be another person. And my admission to this guy, you better shift. Have a paradigm shift in the way you approach your faith life with God. Look at the Mary that is protecting Jesus or carrying Jesus. Mark chapter 3, verse 31. Jesus was having a major convention. Supernatural 2018. Mary didn't come for the meeting. No? Because she felt she's the one protecting him. Mary and his brothers. I mean, Mary and Jesus' brothers. Verse 31. Then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside. I mean, this was the final night. Jesus was preaching fire. They now told protocol and security, go and call him out. He hasn't done his house chores. Or we've not seen him in the house for the last two weeks. Being responsible over Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. Jesus is the one being responsible over you. <laughs> They said, go and call him out. They didn't come for the meeting. Verse 32. And they made so much noise, they interrupted the meeting. And the multitude sitting around him. And they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers, they don't even come to your church. This gospel you are even preaching, are you sure it is? Even your family doesn't believe it. I'm just adding that one there, but you get my point. That is the Mary carrying Jesus. The pastor carrying the church. The husband thinking he's the head of the family. The employee or the businessman thinking is the one carrying the business. And you are right. But I'm telling you that's a weaker paradigm that will give you weaker results. And if you are not careful, you will be outside excluding yourself from the move of God. Look at the real Mary. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. Jesus had just been killed. He had died and resurrected. But watch the real Mary. Acts 1.14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. So there was a Mary in the upper room. The other Mary didn't come for the camp meeting with multitude. This is just the 120, the core, the disciples, she was there. Because her faith had gone. This is, this is, the other one was like Jesus, so Jesus, we can feel. Jesus, we can touch. Jesus, we can see his miracle. This one, we can't see anything. He's gone. He's invisible. But she was there. Mary and the mother of Jesus and with her brothers. Because her faith had now shifted from an overworried mother that she thinks she's going to protect God to someone that's not come to a place where God is the one protecting me. God is the one that is my savior. Paradigm shift. Let me tell you one thing. If you want to see greater results, prayerfully let the Holy Ghost give you such light of how you're applying faith. I told you the story of that, my friend. One of the best conversations I've had this year. She called me. And she was telling me that God just revealed to her that the last five years, she has been making mistakes in one direction. And all the while, she has been blaming somebody else. God just showed her. Turn the searchlight. 
may God show you where you are using your faith with a weak paradigm, a, a lower paradigm, acting like a Mary that because you are breastfeeding Jesus, you've not yet come to revelation that he's the one breastfeeding you. The one carrying you. The one providing for you. And everything changes about your faith when you can just learn to just surrender it to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, l- let me show you what the core of the problem is here. Second Corinthians 5.16. And look, all of us are Marys. You are carrying a vision from God. Your life is from God. That life is not your own. Jesus put it into your hand. And if you live your life as if you are the one in charge, rather than giving it to God, your faith will be different. The believer that learns how to surrender his life to God and surrender to God is, will get better results than the one that is trying to control God. But watch what the difference is between the Mary that is carrying Jesus and the Mary that Jesus is carrying. Paradigm shift. They are both believing, you know. They are, they are both in faith. We are not talking about what now. Your faith is okay. Is how? And as God begins to open your eyes, which is what we are praying for, to see where you need to shift a dramatic change in how you live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.16 Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Please underline that phrase. That is the key here. According to the flesh. That's where you need a dynamic, dramatic change. There is a faith that works according to the flesh. What we can see, what we can feel, what we can touch, what we can comprehend. Hey, we are the mother. So that means we are the one handling things. No, God is the one carrying us. I don't care whether you are the one preaching the sermon. God is the one carrying the church. We never see God come and preach a sermon here. But you see, we don't do faith according to the flesh. Some, some church members do it according to the flesh. They find out that Pastor T is not in town. They don't call. I, I, I've noticed that. Every time Reverend K comes, attendance goes up. According to the flesh, Christians. Because they think Dr. K is the one carrying the church. <laughs> Your faith. <laughs> Dr. K carrying the church. Dr. K cannot carry a church. Some people don't come to church. Ah, Pastor T is not coming for that meeting. You think Pastor T is the one carrying the church? May your faith shift that whether Pastor T is there or not, or even K is there or not, God is there. And you function with that kind of faith. A paradigm shift. We know no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Jesus according to the flesh, yet now we know him does longer. No longer. That's what happened to Mary and her brothers. In Matthew chapter 3, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 3, they were, ah, Jesus just woke up on the same bed with me. He's my brother. You know that's the problem with some people. They can't respect the anointing on a servant of God because they see him in the flesh. We went to school together. But by Acts chapter 1, they were not relating with Jesus as their brother anymore. He was now their Messiah. He was now their healer. He was now their deliverer. When your faith moves from according to the flesh to the realities of the spirit. When you make that kind of shift, if you need to make that kind of shift, 
if you can make the shift of it's more about what God does for me, not about what I do for God. If you make that, if you need that shift, not everybody needs. Some of you, these three examples does not cover where you need to shift your faith. It's the Holy Ghost that will help you. I'm just, but you can now use these three examples to filter down how you live life and the framework of your faith. Some of you, your faith is too much of according to the flesh. The people that we think, ah, midweek service, what's the point of coming? There won't be many people there, according to the flesh people. Ah, there's no point going for that prayer meeting. Pastor T is not going to lead it, according to the flesh people. They don't understand. There's an invisible hand. I love that song. Their faith hasn't shifted to that dimension. And there will always be a Mary. I mean, Jesus is not going to drop from the sky. There's a virgin that has to carry him in a womb. God is not going to come and preach the sermon. There's a man in the flesh that is going to use. But what is the framework of how you are living by faith? God told me in 2019, if you need new things, you need a paradigm shift in your faith. Let me quickly talk about the third one. And we'll close with this one. Glory be to God. Are you learning something? Hallelujah. Pray this prayer again with me. Leave those hands to heaven. Heavenly Father, everywhere I need a faith shift into the real deal. Help me this season. Precious Holy Spirit. Come on, open your mouth and talk to God. See, I, I don't know where you need a shift, but I can't guarantee you if your faith should shift as it ought, you will start seeing results. Why can I not get the results? Why can't I get pregnant? Why can't I have the children? Why can't my church grow? It's because of your unbelief. You need to shift the framework, the paradigm you are operating in your faith by. Come on, pray, pray, pray one minute. Help me, help me, oh Lord. And, and I, I want to talk to, as you are praying, listen to me, particularly if you've been trying to get the results for a long time. You've been trying to get that job, you've been trying to get that level of finances for years. You need a paradigm shift. You need a shift, you need a shift. Pray, Holy Spirit, help me to see where I need to make that shift. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. L let's close with this third illustration. So you, you ask yourself, are you the kind of believer that it's about what I'm doing for God or what God has done for me? Is my faith leaning more on the finished work and grace rather than my own efforts? And you ask yourself, am I the Mary carrying Jesus or is it Jesus carrying me? Kind of believer. I hope God will give you the wisdom to bring this thing into your everyday life. Can I hear a loud amen to that? Because as you make shifts, I'm looking back at shifts I've made. I was telling you on Sunday, the day I had, God has a plan for my life. I mean, I, I can remember the certain revelations that man is a spirit, he has a soul, he lives in a body. And I shifted into it. See, there's a way you can live your life. Ah, we are human beings now. God is spirit, we are flesh. And you are correct. You are not wrong. But there's a way, even though I'm flesh, oh, I am essentially a spirit. God has a plan for my life. Hey? And I still live into the best of what I knew, following God's plan for my life. Hey? Shift. When you shift in your framework, that it's about what God is doing for me, not what I'm doing for God. When you shift, concerning everything God has, the business God has put in your life, the marriage God has put in your hand, 
The finances God has put in your hand, the ministry God has put in your hand, is not me carrying it, it's God carrying me. When you shift and your framework, you are running that church like God carrying the church, not that you are the pastor and control. Mm. You will see the kind of results that will happen. And look at this last one. Glory be to God. I want to ask you a very simple question. Are you in Christ or are you in crisis? Paradigm shift. Are you in Christ or are you in crisis? And before you answer, in fact, don't even answer this one. Answer to yourself. <laughs> Glory be to God. Particularly when you are in trouble, do you think like someone that is in Christ or someone that is in crisis? Do you talk like someone that is in Christ or someone that is in crisis? And do you act like somebody that is in Christ or someone that is in crisis? Check. You can look back at last year, last two years. Check the framework of how you've exercised faith when you are in trouble. Do you think like someone in Christ? Do you talk like someone in Christ? Or do you talk like someone... I mean, act like someone in Christ. Oh, it's crisis. Hey, there's economic stagnation. That's why we are doing that way. And again, the answer that the Spirit of God said is that the day your faith shifts to somebody that is in Christ, you are thinking, yeah, you're in crisis. So they just killed, you just lost all your money. Or your health just broke down. Or like Job, loved ones just passed away. But you are thinking like you are in Christ, if, if you have that kind of framework of faith, that you are thinking, talking, acting in Christ, rather than, you know some people, they, every, they are believers, I mean, they are in Christ, as long as everything is fine. It's when the rubber meets the road, we now start hearing the kind of talk that comes out of their mouth. And you're, are you in Christ or are you in crisis? Because there's a framework that talks as if we are in crisis, because we have challenges. And there's a faith framework that talks Though we are in challenge, we are still in Christ. We'll close with that tonight. Romans 8.31. This is the theme of our pursuits. This month leading to next month. This is the theme. More than conquerors. There is a more than conquerors faith framework. That though we are challenged, we are in Christ. God still loves us. We may not have money to pay the rental, but God loves us. But there is a framework. Ah, if God was there, why, why can't I pay the rent? That's how you're talking. That's how you're thinking. That's how you're behaving. And the, the results, is, is that, that's the results. Let's read. You, I, I know you're familiar with this, but this, this is what Paul used here. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's define what it means by these things. Glory be to God. So, watch his thinking pattern, even though he was in these things. Watch what he said, even though he was in these things. And watch how he behaved, even though he was in these things. What are these things? Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? So, in tribulation, was saying, if God be for me, who can be against me? Because I'm in Christ. In tribulation, no. Not on vacation. In tribulation. You know it's easy to say if God be for me when I'm on vacation. It's when you are in prison. After preaching the gospel and you have been flogged. 
can you still save God before me when you are in tribulation? We are talking about a shift, paradigm shift in your faith, the framework of your faith. Do you have a faith that will declare, if God be for me, who can be against me when you are locked up in prison? And if you don't, it's not to condemn you. Shift! You need that for new things. The faith that we bring new things, you, you need the shift. In tribulation, all this stress. In other words, the marriage is under stress. The finances are under stress. The economy we are living in is under stress. But what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Persecution. Famine. Famine means we are hungry. We don't have food to eat. But we are not talking like people that don't have food to eat. We are not thinking like people that don't have food to eat. We are not acting, bless God, like people that don't have food to eat. We are acting like people that are in Christ. If God be for us, who can be against us? You need to make shifts. And now you use faith. Nakedness. Pastor, you keep hearing, you hear those kind of things. Ah, why didn't you come to church? I didn't have clothes to wear. For where? That's why your life is like that. Nakedness. That's why you didn't come to church. That's why you didn't come for prayer meeting. You are talking, you are thinking, you are acting like someone in crisis. You are not talking like someone in Christ. You are not the first person to get there that doesn't have clothes to wear. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. Peril. In other words, our life is threatened. Sword. They are planning to keep up. We don't have this in the 21st century. They had it in his day. Nobody has tried to kill me. Boko Haram is not in Lagos. Maybe the Christians in Makodi. Uh-huh. They, they have peril and sword. We don't have that in Lagos. But when Boko Haram threatens to burn down your church, do you think, talk, and act like someone in crisis or someone in Christ? What is the paradigm of your faith? You know the one that will get us results. Am I right or am I right? The one he had here. If God be for us, who is the Boko Haram that can be against us? Hallelujah. What else are these things? Jump down to verse 38. For I'm persuaded, neither death nor life. Some people, their faith is okay until somebody dies. Until somebody dies. That's when they lose all their in Christ revelation. Do you talk like someone in Christ, even in the face of death? What paradigm, what framework, what mold of faith do you have running, living by? Glory be to God. And I say, I need that death, not life. Some people, is life. They just got a breakthrough. They just got a breakthrough. That's why no faith anymore. Or no living by faith anymore. No angels or principalities. Sometimes it's the good that doesn't allow us to go to the better. That's why I said, whether it's a positive result or a negative result, our confession, our thinking, and our behavior will always be that we are in Christ. What we are saying and thinking and believing we are lying to, if God be for us. That's the paradigm we should operate in faith by. Are you with me tonight? Let's read that 38 together. Don't read together, just follow me. I'm persuaded neither death nor life, angels or principalities, powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, no matter how high we fly, no matter how low we go. Nor any creature shall separate us 
from the love of God. Hallelujah. Which is in Christ Jesus. So shift your framework to function in Christ. Not based on the crisis you are in or sometimes the positive thing. Hallelujah. And when we have our faith walking in the mode, we will see results we have done here. We will see, we will see amazing new things. We will see. We, I, I told pastors, we had a pastor's meeting, you know pastors, I told, we don't have a money problem in church. There's no believer that has money problem. Our God is a responsible father. What we should look at is faith. Faith. Because the provision is there. It's a constant. And you start from where you are. Glory be to God. Rise on your feet tonight. Leave those hands to heaven. Yeah, thank God. Let's thank God for his word. Let's, let's thank God, first of all. Lift your hands to heaven. If you feel God sent you help with this teaching and everything we've been teaching to start strong, thank God, thank God. Thank him, thank him. Let's appreciate him. Let's appreciate him. Let's appreciate him. Let's appreciate him for bringing us this light, bringing us this illumination. Thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Thank him. If you are going to apply these things we have said, you are dying of thirst. They bring water to the table. You don't have help until you drink that water. So if you are going to apply these things, first of all, thank God that the water has come. And from there, we can proceed to drink the water. Now begin to ask God, where do I need a shift in the application of my faith? Let, let the Holy Spirit help you. I'm not the author and I'm not the finisher of your faith. Jesus is. He looked at those disciples that day. Ah, you don't do faith as a mustard seed, number one. Number two, you are not fasting and praying as you ought. I can't diagnose where you need to shift, but Jesus can. The Holy Ghost can. Listen, listen, before you pray, watch this. Watch this, please. Hear me. This is what God told me that I should tell everybody all through this new year teaching. This is day 23. If you have not shifted the way you are applying faith, you need this message. Because I can tell you this from now. Don't wait till December. If you do faith in 2019, like you've been doing in 2018, you're going to get the same results in 2019. I'm not cursing you. I'm your pastor. I'm telling you the truth. Your faith can't be a constant here. Yeah. Your faith must change. Dramatically. Because the grace is there. If you do faith, look at me, oh, don't let any devil distract you. And don't, I'm not speaking French, and what I'm saying is not hard. Don't complicate the simplicity of what I'm saying. Because, like I said on Sunday, people are notorious for complicating simple things. If you do faith, if your faith remains the way it is in 2018, you, you, you are going to get the same results or around the same results. You'll just be going around the same mountain. That will not be your story in Jesus' name. And I'm asking you, 23 days have come and gone. What has shifted? I love what Pastor Linda was telling you. Was it last Sunday? I was watching the message. You need to make changes. It's sometimes simple things like arranging your room better. That's the first step. But if you continue, 23 days have come and gone, you only have 36.5 for the first tenth of the year to go. 
and if we are not careful, the temptation to just do it the way we've always done it, we will fall into that trap. That will not be our story in Jesus' name. So pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, I can't hear somebody who show me where I need to make changes in the application of my faith. Show me where I need a paradigm shift based on what I had tonight. Where I need a change in my application of my faith. I want to see new things. I want to see better things. I want to see greater things in 2019. And I ask for your help right now. Open the eyes of my understanding in the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and pray. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at King's Word Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.